0: Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy oh hello hi Edinburgh. it's beautiful anonymous one hour one phone call no names no holds barred I'd rather go one on one I think it'll be more fun Hi, everybody. Chris Gathered here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. This is, of course, a show where we do a phone call. And it sounds pretty simple, but it gets a lot more complicated than that. I think a lot of people who have been listening for a long time would say that those things are true. What happens here is we cut deep into the human condition. People tell their stories. Sometimes those stories are light and funny. Sometimes they're, they're dark and unexpected. Sometimes they're completely baffling and crazy, but they're, they always interest me and I hope they continue to interest you because man, people are interesting. And that's a statement that I stand by. I wanted to let everybody know I got some live shows coming up December uh, the 2nd and 3rd. I will be in North Carolina. I'll be in Asheville. I'll be in Durham. In the opposite order, I said it wrong. December 2nd in Durham, December 3rd in Asheville. Early shows on those will be tapings of Beautiful Anonymous. The late shows will be stand-up comedy. And I really hope you come out. And I really hope you go and you buy some tickets. Because it would be awful nice to see some fine, friendly folks down there in North Carolina where I've had a number of good shows in my life before. And I hope that that streak continues. And I'm psyched to see Asheville because I've heard so much about it. Then December 16th. I'm at Littlefield in Brooklyn. I'm doing my new stand-up hour. Martin Urbano's opening up the show. You can get tickets for all these shows at chrisgeth.com. And I really want to pack out this Brooklyn show. I think the ticket sales have been uh, slipping a little bit. And I have not been active as much in my home comedy scene of of the Brooklyn scene. But I'm trying to come correct, throw down, have a party at this one. So I hope you will come out on December 16th and join in on that party. Again, chrisgeth.com for tickets to all of those. Now... The business is over. Let's talk about today's episode. This was a cool one. This was a live show that we did in Edinburgh, Scotland. Thanks to everybody who came out. It's about zombie movies. This person who really loves zombie movies, wants to make zombie movies, then also starts talking about who they are and how who they are interacts with how they grew up, how that made them feel. And I've never considered zombies from the perspective of an outsider before. And our, call, our caller really does a pretty convincing job of saying that maybe zombies are part of a queer narrative more than any of us ever expected. And it's fascinating and it's cool. It made me think about how you can look at different pieces of art and when you filter them through different perspectives, they land in different ways. It was cool. It's a cool call. I think you're going to like it.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host.
0: Hello? Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? Stressed the fuck out, man. Am I being honest? So we tried, yeah, no offense, but there was someone else on the line and then their audio didn't come through. So I've just been sitting here in front of a live crowd for what feels like two hours, but was probably four minutes and it was a little awkward but i think they're all with it and fine and i'm just going to try to mentally move on but that's how i'm doing
1: that sounds horrifying and i'm so sorry it's okay it
0: was stressful enough but they were kind about it and i got a sick recommendation on a springsteen iliad so i don't know what the hell that is me neither apparently (laughs) the first 10 minutes are fucking awesome though i
1: don't believe that the last 10 minutes all it's all about the last 10 minutes because you got to leave them wanting something, you know? I,
0: I think that may have been the gentleman's point, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, <laughs> more importantly than me, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. I mean, I just told you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, things are good. Stress. Overall, things are good. I'm here. I'm in Scotland. I'm at an arts festival where I live in life. It's a weird thing, but it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah? Have yeah. you been there before?
1: Is this the first time?
0: 2016, I did it. And I uh, oh. liked it then, like it now. And my son and wife are coming to join me tomorrow. So that's going to make it really fun. That'll make it really nice. Yeah. So, what's your deal? Um,
1: so, I love zombies. <laughs> um, since I was a kid, I like, was super into zombie movies. And I spent way too much time trying to make it my whole personality. So,
0: zombies are whole your whole personality? Yeah, exactly. Zombies. I became a
1: zombie for zombies.
0: What are you talking about? How does this go? Like, do you do those zombie walks? Uh,
1: So I have done that before, but I just like I mostly have like studied a lot into zombie cinema. Okay. And I've just written papers in college about zombies. Yeah. Uh, I'm just that weird kid that like just (laughs) got super way too into horror movies.
0: Okay. What's your relationship with zombies now?
1: Um, it's a a sad one because they stop making good zombie movies.
0: <laughs> okay, so you don't work in the field of zombies at this point. You haven't translated it into a profession. You're not making zombie movies or writing them. Or
1: I, like I actually have. I've written some like, so in college I had an idea to write an anthology zombie series. Which I made one short film that was based on that anthology. And I wrote a bunch more that, uh, because I'm poor, did not get made. But, you know,
0: they're there. They exist, which is cool. But you do – so you – is it fair to say – I don't want to put words in your mouth. You've got scripts and you feel like you could be the one to bring back zombie movies? <laughs> uh, Yeah, man. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. No need to be modest. It's anonymous. (laughs) Say it out loud. Make it come true. I love that.
1: So manifest.
0: What uh, what makes a good zombie movie? Because I'll tell you, Um, I I have a lifelong fear of scary movies, so I have watched some zombie movies, uh, but scary movies genuinely get me to the point where it's unenjoyable at times. So I'm not encyclopedic. It's one of my big gaps in like nerd culture. I know zombie, that's one of the big... One of the big things. What what, what makes a zombie movie good? Uh, I think
1: there are a few things. I think the coolest thing about zombie movies is how they've evolved. So, like the first real zombie movie, right, is like Night of the Living Dead. George Romero. Have you seen that one? No. You have to watch it. Come on. Everyone in the room has to
0: watch it. There's not that many people here. <laughs> they still have to. But even more so, they have round to. Watch round of it. plus, Who has seen the original Night of the Living Dead? Let's say about half the people. Hell yeah! Okay, yeah. I'm scared of that that one's your that one's your old school slow moving zombie,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 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 the beginning. So like the it's like the first time our modern zombie has like appeared in a movie before. Before that, it was like Revenants or like other cultural things that weren't really necessarily what we would see as a zombie. Okay. Um, and I think the to go back to your question, what makes a good zombie movie? I think it's like the cultural. I guess reflection of things. Like when that movie was made, everyone was worried about like, you know, the uh, Soviets and like uh, assimilation and things like that. So there's this slow-moving, mindless thing that's just has one thing on its mind, and that's like destruction. Sure. And then we move later into like a more modern one, which is like World War Z, which is like this intensely fast horrific zombies it's like this immovable thing that's
0: coming at you i think instead i did of like- see that is that the one where there's like thousands of zombies crawling over a wall together yeah yeah yeah. yeah i saw the that one i saw that one yeah not the
1: best one you gotta you gotta pull it back a little bit go back to those original ones
0: talk to me okay so night of the living dead is the first one world yeah. war z is kind of this evolution where you say maybe it has passed its tipping point what yeah. are the highlights of the genre? If you if you had to tell everybody listening right now and those of us in the room, like, okay, there's three or four that you gotta see. Night of the Living Dead is one of them because it's first. What are the other ones that so, bring the form to its peak? Yeah, I think, well, the cool thing, you called it a genre,
1: but it's it's interesting because I feel like at this point, it's like the MCU or like a superhero genre where there's like genres within the genre, you know? Okay. So So like nowadays you have like, Thrillers that are zombie movies, you have comedies, you have romantic comedies that are all zombie movies, technically. Um, And I think those, so I think the coolest thing would be first of all, you got to start with the beginning, you got to start with George Romero, okay, the living dead Got that. Um, and then you can jump over to something like Zombieland that's a comedy and that has a completely different take. Yeah, Woody Harrelson's. I saw that one.
0: That one's good. Yeah, I like that one. Okay.
1: Yeah, I th- I, but I think that's the cool thing, right? Is that like you're getting this crazy sweep of stuff. Okay. It's not just one thing that you're yeah. saying over and over again.
0: Is Zombieland uh, on your like, list of the must sees? If you're I building so. a syllabus, yeah. okay.
1: Zombieland is definitely on there. Um, and then like jumping sideways to like romantic comedy, you gotta see warm bodies.
0: Someone just yelled yes. Hell someone yeah. Someone said, yeah. Wait, there's someone who you were sitting here. Are you, ma'am, are you also a zombie person? You just love. I've never heard of Warm Bodies. It's so good. You have to see it. With who? Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt. Now um, I'm going to ask her in the room first, and we'll see if you, agree. ma'am, what do you think makes it so good? It's funny, but romantic, and it's about a, a zombie who falls in love with a human. Like it's just so ridiculous, that it's great. Funny, romantic, zombie falls in love with a human. Ridiculous, but great. That is the call. That is the person in the rooms summation caller would you agree with these points
1: yeah but i I think in addition it's like it's this uh i think the intriguing thing about it is like the recovery of zombies and the recovery is love like to to incorporate the genre of uh like a romantic comedy into that genre feels so bizarre and out of place like they said what do you mean Uh, when you say like just the thematic
0: what do you mean when you say the recovery of zombies so
1: spoiler alert is, am I allowed to say the spoilers?
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Uh, towards the end of the movie, they basically the love brings them back to life, right? That's like the secret ingredient, which again is like, this ridiculous thing, but just like a, a completely interesting and unique take on zombies.
0: So love can heal whatever that zombie thing. So at that point, yeah. so okay, so Romero, it's like the commu- the looming communist threat spreading over the Iron Curtain, trending more west towards Europe and the States, and there's you know, sleeper cells within, and it'll erupt from within your own community. Uh, I can see how the Romero slow-moving zombies are that. So when we get to Warm Bodies is this more an analogy then for something like a heroin addiction and, and that a person's (laughs) love can help bring someone back from the other side of something insidious that's overrun them personally.
1: I think that could be, I I think that's a huge part of it. I I think the other part is that like, we're in a deficit of someone like like, true love, right. Is that we're trying to like find someone who truly gets us and wants us despite like faults or despite like our self-destruction or like, you know, things like that. So uh, in, in a modern zombie movie like Warm Bodies, uh, a big thing about it is, like, that overcoming and that finding that person who's willing to see through those bad things and make you a better person despite and all by that. By
0: bad things, you mean see past the fact that you are a living undead zombie? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. So Warm big Bodies, Land, Night of the Living Dead... Okay. Um
1: another the other one is a series actually. It's called In the Flesh. It's a BBC series. So maybe people over there have seen it. I okay. don't know. But.
0: It got a couple woos. It got a
1: couple yeah. woos. Okay. Oh, and you're I mean, not, just, you're not just going happy. for the
0: cheap heat because you know I'm in Scotland, right?
1: No, I fucking love In the Flesh. Why? Uh it's it's a show that deals with the morality of like a zombie recovery. So like okay. as a zombie that follows this main character who <laughs> went and Killed a lot of people as a zombie. Ate their brains, you know, yeah, yeah. as one does. Yeah. Um, and then has to deal with the fact that he's murdered so many people at, in this state uh, ah. after his recovery. And it, it also deals with a lot of, like, uh, diversity themes and inclusion themes that I think are super important and super smart. I, and I think it's really cool that the genre takes on that kind of... You know the, those important issues as well. Okay, it's just a really diverse genre that I think
0: is really important. You weren't lying when you said you love zombies, huh? <laughs> them. You've thought you thought about you hear the passion. Yeah, I mean, this is like t- talking to me about soda or comic books from the <laughs> 80s and 90s, like where people are like, "Whoa!" I don't even know if I care, but kudos to you for knowing this much off the top of your <laughs> goddamn head. It is true, everybody. I will warn you: if you ever meet me don't start bringing up old marvel comics don't start bringing up regional sodas it will, will you if i will get excited and you will get bored anyway we'll be right back Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy thanks to all of our advertisers now let's get back to the phone call this is like talking to me about soda or comic books from the (laughs) 80s and 90s like where people are like whoa i don't even know if i care but kudos to you for knowing this much off the top of your (laughs) goddamn head that's amazing okay let me put the screws to you then where have we dropped the ball as a genre where At what junctures in its history do you feel like zombies have gotten off course? Because you've said they're not making great stuff anymore, although you're naming some stuff that's a little more modern, too.
1: Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely stuff that can be made. I think that with any horror or, like, thriller genre, I think there's a tendency to make it, like, a cheap, easy thrill kind of a deal. Uh-huh. Like, you know, people will go and see any old slasher movie or, you know, another, like, off-brand Halloween movie even if it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like the reason why zombies were so good and why George Romero did it right was because there was like significance in in everything that he touched, in the being of a zombie.
0: So who dropped the, what movies are you like? These movies get a lot of love, but I look at them and I go, that's a bunch of bullshit and that's where zombies started to go wrong. Is it Sam, I, is like, it Sam Raimi? Let's call out Sam Raimi.
1: Oh, I, you can call Sam Raimi all day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I do. I actually don't like World War Z. I think it's. I think it's one of those cheaper thrill movies. Yeah. They don't. It's like societally, I get like the reflection,
0: but it's just not as interesting, I guess, as some of the other ones. Did you watch a movie called Uncle Peckerhead by chance? I haven't. I don't think it's quite a zombie movie, but you might like it. I liked it. All right. It's Uncle Peckerhead. Great. I'll write it down. It's about a small-time punk band touring around uh, the country. They're based in New Jersey. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Well, I got to watch it." And they hire yeah. a roadie and it turns out that the roadie is a monster. I don't think you'd call him a zombie, but it's a very funny premise for a movie. Is it perfect? No, it's low. But there's a lot of low budget horror happening right now that people are getting behind where it's like, yeah, we don't have the money to make. We're, no one's giving us millions of dollars, but we're rallying around these things that people are making themselves. That's like a whole underground genre right now, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. We I got to get I, you in I, on
0: that. How do we get you from being a zombie, <laughs> someone who loves zombies, someone who's making these scripts? I don't
1: don't know, dude. Uh, Who do you know? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Who do I know? I I mean, (laughs) I wish I knew people who could help. I wish I could snap (laughs) my fingers like that. But are you actually... Is is that the long-term... How old are you? I'm 29. 29. Okay. So that's where you start to have some turning point thoughts about who you're going to be and what you're going to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I definitely... I mean, the idea would be to do something like that for sure. I... I grew up in a really small town where there wasn't a ton of opportunities and I kind of had to work my way into. So I worked in the film industry here for a little bit. You did? Uh, just as a PA, as a producer. I still kind of work as a producer freelance and then I work for a company as well, just producing videos and ads. So this, um, so you're in the mix.
0: You're yeah. You're finding I'm, the pathways.
1: I'm close, but it's it's hard to break into.
0: You have, you I think know, people- what movie you would make? Do you have the script of the movie you would make? If somebody said, "I think you got what it takes," what are we doing?
1: Yeah, I have so I have eight different scripts that I'd like to produce into like one anthology.
0: You've written eight, <laughs> everyone scripts. laughs at eight scripts. Come on, <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's I just love knowing it's like you don't, it's not like yeah, I already have the script written. You're like, I got the anthology ready to go. I've got eight <laughs> takes on this thing. I know which characters yeah. are side characters in the first one and became the main characters in four. You already got that all figured out. You know who's dying early in the first one and coming (laughs) back to be a a villain slash anti-hero in three. You got the anthology. What's that?
1: Slash zombie. He's dying in the first one and coming back as a zombie in the last one.
0: Have you done any research into the roots of zombie via the phrase zombie, which I believe is most associated with some Caribbean cultures, particularly in Haiti? Yeah,
1: Haiti and the Congo. uh, Those are, uh, I, I think... Uh, those originally signified something closer to like a revenant or – Talk to uh, me. You've used
0: this phrase a second time, a revenant. You said precursor to zombies as we know them in movies was revenants. And that Mm -hmm. is like people who maybe view a zombie as part of a religion or a folk culture would say that. So what is that? What is the difference between the movie zombie we know of like I eat brains and my face is decaying and I'm kind of walking around my arms pointing out going – Versus what would happen if you used the phrase "zombie" in a place like the Congo or Haiti? What are the differences there? I've read a couple articles about it. That stuff's fucked up. That's really scary. They think, Uh, right? Isn't it? Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. You go. You know more than I do.
1: Well, I don't know about that, but I, I think. So what? I from what I understand, it's more of just a reanimated corpse. Uh, oftentimes a loved one that like visits someone or things like that I I don't know the exact like religious connotation to them uh, but something like that and then later George Romero was, would read about these these reanimated corpses visiting people uh, kind of haunting them except it's scarier because they're like physical presences instead of just a ghost
0: Right. Um, like you and then, your aunt's been dead for seven years and then she's knocking on the door and acting all fucking <laughs> yeah. weird yeah, exactly. But then I've also read that they think there may have been people who were like drugged and kidnapped and enslaved and the drugs fried their brains and that's why where the myth started. I've read that yeah, too, but I don't th- know yeah, if that's, that might that. just be me talking out of my ass in a way that's unfair and problematic that, in all sorts of ways. I don't know. Who knows? I
1: definitely don't have a source for that, but I have, I have definitely heard things like that. I don't know the, the sources, I guess, but it is pretty interesting. That's, but yeah, and then George Romero took those and decided to give them like particular qualities of eating brains and yeah. and then we, we are where we are today, I guess.
0: Now I'm going to say two words that I think are very divisive amongst people like you who really care about zombies. Oh boy. You know what I'm going to say?
1: I don't know. That's no, three
0: words actually. I'll use the full phrase. The walking
1: dead. Okay, we can talk about that. You got opinions, right? (laughs) I do have opinions. I listened. It was a good show for uh, maybe a season or two.
0: Um, The crowd is chuckling because they all agree, but we don't usually say shit like this out loud.
1: I'll say it out loud. And it's something, it sucks because you put so much time into it. And I feel like people that are invested into zombies are pretty invested into zombies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But then it just kind of fell off. You know what, though? Fear the Walking Dead was not bad.
0: Well, here's the thing. Cuz I watched the first few seasons of Walking Dead, when we get to a season where they're hanging out at a farm where everything's safe and they meet other people who have created a safe <laughs> farm and the zombies never show up and like raid the farm and attack and they got to At a certain point I'm watching a show about farmers. Yeah, exactly. I signed up for a zombie show here We, we fully made where people a get show killed. Where
1: people are, Yeah exactly We fully made a show where people are getting murdered By mindless beings into a, yeah. a boring show it Seems
0: like you've made a show where everyone survived And is happily rebuilding society on a farm Great, happy <laughs> for them But that means your show ended last season I'm exactly. not watching the show about the farm And if I'm going to watch a show about a farm It's probably going to be a different show Than this show Because this was a great zombie show And it's a middling farmer show I'll yeah. say it.
1: But, say uh, it. but say then, I hear,
0: then I then I hear that they did write the ship. And like I said, I hear that I I, I also hear that fear of the walking. That was great.
1: That's good. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I feel like um I think there is an element of people that you can take in shows like that or in yeah. movies like zombie movies, a, a people element of where's the ethics of like uh, keeping, you know, resources and things to ourselves and stuff like that. And I I but I, man, you're right. In the The Walking Dead just did it in the most boring possible way.
0: It was a bomb. Uh, but I hear it bounced back, and I didn't come back with it. It's tough. Yeah,
1: I, I didn't. I I think they just lost so many people by then. It was just like nah.
0: One of the most humiliating experiences in my life in, uh, in, involved me having an encounter with Robert Kirkman, who wrote the Walking Dead comic books. I've Ooh. truly humiliated myself in front of that man. Would you like to hear the story? I would love to hear the story. So I read some of the Walking Dead comic books, and they were really good. I liked them. Uh, And then I found out that he was writing this series called Invincible. And a friend of mine who knows my taste in comic books was like, you would really love Invincible. So I started reading Invincible. And it's great. Can I give you a slight spoiler? Yeah, of course. So it's about this kid who has superpowers because his dad is effectively the Superman of his universe. And yep. he, he then finds out very early on in the series, like his dad is uh, like flying all over the world and he's Superman. And then it comes to light that his dad was actually like a member of an evil alien race that was implanted here to use his powers to get all of Earth to trust him. And now they've activated him and he's not a hero. He's a villain. He finds out, his dad goes, he grows up thinking his dad's Superman. And then all of a sudden he goes, no, my dad is uh the biggest super villain and then he has to find out figure out because he's the only one who has these powers because his dad passed money he's like am i do i fight my dad and it's great and i became very addicted to it now here's the thing about me i think i might be a little bit like you in that when i dive into something i dive in very deep i also tend yeah. to have some mental health issues i don't know if you do where i get a little manic and a little ocd and maybe a little overprotective in a way that's melodramatic So I hit one issue of Invincible, and I was so excited. Every time I would get a new one, they were so exciting. It was so exciting to get these new ones and then one comes out and it features this character who's like a wolfman type thing and that was another Robert Kirkman was trying to start this other series that was a wolfman and you could tell it read like he didn't really care like it read more like an advertisement for like hey guys check out this wolfman thing so I sent him a thing that was a very passionate email and I was deep into my 30s at this point I was too old to be doing this where I was like hey man like I love Invincible and I'm standing by you but like you're just trying to do like some corporate crossover bullshit right now and like I'm not trying to get on board with the Wolfman. And if you want to cross over the Wolfman, that's fine. But you got to look at the title. It says Invincible across the top of the comic book. So remember, it's an Invincible story, because this was a Wolfman story. It's not cool. You're making us wait. Your comics come out late. And like, I, you know, you just got to respect your audience a little more than you did that, man. And I went off and it was a crazy thing to do. And then I sent it. And then as soon as I sent it, I was like, I'm like 34 or 35. I immediately (laughs) wrote another email that was like, hey, it's me. I just wrote that thing. Ignore that. I have depression issues and I think there's other stuff going on in my life. And the bottom line is like this Wolfman Invincible thing. It should not be getting an emotional reaction like this from me. And that's my fault. Ignore it. You know, I'm going to go deal with the other things in my life. And I'm going to talk to my shrink. I'm going to tell her I did this. My shrink is going to have opinions. But I sometimes do this where I'll displace some stuff that I'm feeling and I'll put it towards something like this that's inconsequential. But it's not really your fault. So feel free to just ignore that other email. And I signed both. (laughs) And then I sent that one. And I was like, oh, arguably... Second one was crazier. (laughs) Not good. Yeah. So, cut to like
1: fixate on the problem.
0: Yeah. And just go. Your response for that problem. And I think actually, I should have just sent a thing that was like, if I had sent an email, it was like, I just sent an email and I feel like a dummy for sending it. It's a comic book. I'm a grown up. Keep doing what you do. Love your work. My bad. That would have been fine. But I like explained the severity of my current mental health issues and it was not a great call. Cut to three or four years later. I'm performing at a theater in New York in an improv show, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. There's Sunday night show is called Askat, And I'm there and there's this guy in the audience and I can kind of make him out and I'm like, I know this dude from somewhere. And then we get backstage in the green room and John Gabrus, another hilarious improviser, he was in the show that night. He's like, do any of you guys read Walking Dead? I was like, yeah. He's like, I think, is that Robert Kirkman? I was like, that's the writer Walk... You're right. That's why I was recognizing that guy. So we go out for the second half of the show And I managed to triple down and make it even worse. I'm like, um, I start the, I was hosting the show that night. I'm like, so before we start the show back up, I just want to say, um, I'm sorry, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like my friend John, he's a huge fan of the Walking Dead comic books. Are you the guy who wrote them? He's like, I am, and we all give a clap. You, kudos to you, great job, blah blah blah. And then I go, funny story, I actually, you know, you write Invincible too, and I love that one. I was like, I actually, a few years ago, I fucking popped off and I wrote you this insane email. And then I wrote another email apologizing for it, that was even more, and he interrupts me. He's like, that was you? <laughs> and I was like, no, tell me you don't remember that. He's like, yeah, you were mad about the Wolfman? I was like, oh, No. He's like, yeah, everybody got mad about the Wolfman, but yeah, i never, he's like, we got a lot of mail about that, but I remember, like, you sent this rambly explanation of why I should ignore the first one, and I was like, well, now I'll never fucking forget the first one, and then he kind of, he yeah, he kind of went off, and he deserved to, but I did, I truly humiliated myself to the creator of The Walking Dead.
1: You know, there's nothing better than just doubling down on anger. That's oh, like, okay. yeah, it never serves me well. Do
0: never serves me well you know what's
1: funny is that the same thing almost well not the same thing because I don't know famous people I'm sorry Uh, but there's uh, so the In the Flesh I mentioned that earlier yeah was cancelled after the second season
0: did people lose their minds no the third season
1: and well I did (laughs) Uh, and I was so sad after it got cancelled that I fully wrote like emails to the BBC being like listen man how dare you! Uh, and it did not do anything to bring it back. So
0: did they but write yeah. back at all? No, no <laughs> response. Right, and as an American, don't you? And I don't know how the yeah, viewers here, exactly. but don't, as an American, don't we have some dim hope that there's someone at the BBC just sitting at a desk waiting to patiently answer all of us? Just be
1: like, yeah, that oh, we so. can fully carry it out and like yeah. speak to the
0: manager, I guess. Just to be like, you know what? I'm so sorry to hear that this hurt. I understand there's an emotional attachment to a show. I'm gonna run it up a chain. I can't make any promises, but we'll see what we can do. (laughs) Sincerely, the BBC. Like in America, that's what we want that to be. Because you can agree, we have great respect for BBC programming, don't we? In the States?
1: Uh, I think so. I feel like a lot of people, you know, Downton Abbey. That's like everyone, everyone's mom watches well, Downton Abbey. Well, also the
0: BBC allows shows to end. Like Fleabag is one of the most brilliant yeah. things I've ever seen. It's two fucking oh, seasons yeah. and they got out and you go, and it ended. That's awesome. There's a very funny thing where um, I think a lot of American comedians really think the British office was better. And then consistently I will talk to British people who are like, it constantly. Someone just said like, the U.S. ones. People are like Michael fucking Scott, but I can't tell if that's just because they like the humor, or maybe if people are real tired of Ricky Gervais over here. I can't tell. Can't tell which one it is. Oh. Both people are saying both Fight words. Uh, hey man, listen. If there's one thing about Chris Gethard, it's that I'm a fucking truth teller. No, I'm Ooh. not. I'm not one of those truth teller comedians. I just roll with the punches. Just roll with the punches. So what are you doing? do <laughs> what you, What's your life like when you're not obsessing over zombies?
1: Uh just uh, like I said I work as a producer for a company here just pretty literally most boring shit ever like okay. Amazon ads. What for about uh, supplements?
0: Yeah. So like in the field creative making things, film things, telling little stories but corporate like they're buying your services, you're doing the job type stuff. What about your personal life? What about the non-work life? The non-work life? Yeah, uh, I you know, just living,
1: uh, yeah, like all of us, just getting over religious trauma and trying to be gay in a state that doesn't want me to be.
0: Hello, <laughs> got thirty-two <laughs> minutes left. <there. laughs> what religion did you grow up in? I grew up Mormon. You grew up Mormon. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's the combination yeah. of Mormonism and homosexuality. I hear is not a a. Is it not works really well path. together. Yeah, I hear it's a little bit, little bit oil and water. That one, huh?
1: yeah uh so it's sorry. definitely one of
0: those oh it's you
1: know i would say it's okay it's it's not okay but you know we're we're alive so that's good
0: yeah yeah um
1: uh but i think yeah i think it's something that drove me you know i I think it's typical for religion in general is that when you don't fit into that religion you tend to hyper fixate on things and i hyper fixated on being creative and i think that you can't really justify things, but you can say, Hey, I like where I'm at now. And I think that it was okay. I think that I'm happy and I got what I needed out of it, despite That's good. the hardships.
0: That's good. I, I do have to say, you too, you say, like, you know, you hyper Do you think, you know, you're someone who, for the first half hour, we talked about how you have what you quickly proved to be like an encyclopedic knowledge and devotion <laughs> to fantasy worlds do you feel like wanting to get lost in that fan? That could be, I could, you know, this is armchair psychologist territory, but it's not a reach to think, well, oh, maybe, maybe someone who is feeling that pressure in the real world wants to dive deep into the world of zombies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think like I grew up on Alfred Hitchcock movies and these crazy like thrillers and things like that. But I also, you know, got really into video games and comic books and things like that. But Uh, I definitely think zombies was a place where I just, I felt, I think the first time I saw Night of the Living Dead, I was like, I'm one of those zombies. Uh, And I couldn't figure out how to not be, I guess. Uh, Where you're just, you know, moving slowly through this thing that you, this existence that you don't really want to be a part of, but uh, you keep moving because you need brains.
0: (laughs) Can I tell you something? Yeah. This whole crowd just watched me get choked up unexpectedly because that was such a poetically phrased and beautiful thought. Oh, thank you to hear that Thanks, you crowd <laughs> to hear that you watched, you watched zombie mo- movies in, in a religious upbringing where you were closeted. And when you watched that zombie movie, you na- you sympathize with the zombie more than the people trying to get away. That's like quietly one of the most, Touching things I've ever heard.
1: A little bit horrific, you know, trying to. A little eat, bit trapped. Brains, but you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, to feel trapped, to feel judged, to feel like you've got these like desires that you're being taught are like sinful compulsions that you should be able to wrangle and control. That all Absolutely. starts to make sense.
1: Yeah, I think you start to kind of see how. I guess the world keeps seeing you as as this thing that is incapable of entering. I guess the presence of a deity, and you start to kind of feel the same way about oh, the zombies are like forbidden to be part of society. And and I don't have you ever read the book I Am Legend, not the movie. Have you read the book? No. Uh, so the original book actually is about vampires. I don't know if you've heard that. Not about zombies.
0: No, I wasn't. Aware.
1: Uh, And it's a really incredible experience to read that book uh, because Robert Langdon, uh, as the, you know, in the movie, he's portrayed as kind of a Christ like figure where he saved the world, you know. In the book, it's really interesting because he spends his time killing the vampires during the day while they sleep. Um, And by the end, again, I'm so sorry, I'm spoiling everything. Uh, But by the end, he realizes that he had been destroying a civilization that was just budding. So he he finds out that he has been killing vampires that have been forming their own civilization that he could have been a part of. Obviously, he'd have to become a vampire, which he wasn't super into, as we know. Um, but he, he came to find out that he was destroying part of a civilization, and he was the one that was ruining things. He became kind of this anti Christ figure. Um, in the Society of Vampires. And and I thought the book did an incredible job at capturing kind of that feeling of like outsidership in these vampires and being tormented because they were vampires. And then you come to find out that they were the ones that didn't deserve it kind of a thing.
0: This is taking some turns that no (laughs) one saw coming this is all starting to make so much sense that zombies are these puzzle pieces that have allowed you to help sort out some feelings of outsider so to speak. Yeah.
1: I think that's why I've, I've, I tend to be drawn towards the zombie, the, you know, the, the zombie genres that are more tied to uh, acceptance and recovery, like warm bodies again, to bring that one back in or in the flesh. Uh, they both have to deal with kind of the acceptance of the zombie and bringing them into a a part of society instead of shooing them away or just killing them.
0: Let's pause right there. This is getting cool, right? It's getting very interesting. Let's go ahead, take a break. We'll be right back. on how you buy thanks to the advertisers who help us bring the show to the world now we're going to finish off the phone call
1: warm bodies again to bring that one back in or in the flesh uh, they both have to deal with kind of the acceptance of the zombie and bringing them into a like a part of society instead of shooing them away or just killing them
0: now i have to ask um I imagine the answer is yes, even if it's within like independent comics, graphic novels, or maybe even on some of the shows you're already naming. Um, Has anybody anybody made zombie-driven works that more overtly tie it to the idea of the queer outsider experience? Someone has to have. I sound like an American studies professor right now. I sound like a college (laughs) professor. There's got to be people. Have there been people out there or are you sitting there going, I see it. See, if I see someone give me this money because I see it, and, not, <laughs> I and you haven't said it overtly, but where those messages are inside it. Well, I,
1: I assume that there's more, but I, in the flesh again, I'm, I feel like I'm reiterating. Yeah. Uh, no. This this work, a writer by the way is Dominic Mitchell, who's incredible and has done stuff for like uh, Westworld, and he's an incredible writer. Um, but he wrote Kieran, the main character, as a queer kid. Um and then one of the zombies that comes back to life is Kieran's ex-boyfriend who uh like joined the military a long time ago and so there's like there's queer like a lot of queer elements in there about now that they're back together like there's they're dealing with that same homophobia that exists in their small town uh, and I think that that correlation between that and the overall zombie story is like really stark and really beautifully done in my opinion.
0: Now here's a question that might be troublesome and is probably problematic in a number of ways. Apologies ahead of time as I sort out the thought I'm doing my best. So you were raised in Mormonism. Yes. Um, I myself have grown, I was raised Catholic and grew away from religion. I've talked about that on the show. I think there are, I have met many kind Mormon people in my life. I also think there are some very, very deeply concerning Practices you hear about, uh, you know, conversion therapy. Um, you hear about like the high presence of of things like that that I think are viewed as cruelty uh, inflicted upon queer people and particularly queer teenagers. Where you go, this is very dark and should be outlawed and prosecuted. My opinions. So I'm not trying to offend. I'm not going to paint the entire Mormon faith with that brush. I'm saying within it exists a lot of that reputation. Um, I also know, like, for example, I believe South Park, right? has you know, the book of Mormon, which kind of, you know, aims to dissect a lot of the religion in this humorous way. And they, I think they really used comedy to take it apart. And you start to see that there are some aspects of the religion, which to an outsider almost read a little bit like science fiction in some sense. Now, again, I'm not, scholarly, I haven't read up on it, but this idea, I believe that you will get your own planet if you get into heaven and things like that is very interesting to me that you were someone who felt like an outsider in that faith, but where your interests landed is not too far in that sense. Now, is that a reach on my end, or is that someone you, something you've thought about? I don't know that I've, in
1: particular, thought about that. Um, like, my interests in that way being driven uh, like towards a more fantasy aspect it, it could be it could be something where i'm more susceptible you don't to, to like we you don't, you don't no, have no, to force it it's I just a- i i just that's just something that i haven't quite really thought about of like how susceptible i am to maybe a more fantasy region i because for me it was always more about escapism than it was about yeah um about like application i guess sure um so i I don't know if for me that is entirely true, but I think maybe maybe the susceptibility of it could be there. It definitely is a place where you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get around, especially like as a queer individual, to get around the fact that like a huge portion of who you are or your personality has to be stripped from you if you want to be accepted, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's not
0: okay. You mentioned trauma. I have to ask, um, do, you have, what, do you have any relationship with the with, uh, faith these days or have you stepped totally away? Um, I think
1: I'm, I'm definitely into a more agnostic approach where I, you know, it's actually really funny. So I, I went to BYU. Um,
0: Brigham Young, Young University.
1: University. Brigham Young University, uh, studied film there. And then in that, actually, environment, there's a class. So you have to take, in order to get your degree at BYU, for those who don't know, you have to take religious classes. Um, those classes include cl- uh, classes specifically dedicated to the Book of Mormon, which is a Mormon uh, or LDS religious text. Um, and there's classes about the Bible. And there was one class in particular about uh, it's, it, World Religions was the class where you would study everything from like Hinduism to uh, obviously stuff in Mormonism and early Christianity, uh, Judaism, uh, Sikh, like a bunch of... or sorry, I think I mispronounced that. I'm so sorry. Um, but just a bunch of different religion, religions. And there's where I kind of like started piecing things into like, oh, this is all kind of stems from similar places. And so I think starting there i kind of started to take an agnostic approach of like maybe deity exists and that's why all of these are you know have these elements of what they would call truth which is great and um, and that or maybe you know they all just came from the same thing and either way that's okay it's cool there's some good teachings there and i i think i am like if there's a God, then sweet, we can chat about that later, I guess. <laughs> uh, but if not, then I think I'm doing pretty good.
0: And I have to, And if I'm prying, and this is not what you want to talk about, totally fine. But just out of concern <laughs> so, yeah. for you, we started talking about zombies, didn't see any of this coming. I do know that oftentimes in families uh, where you grow up in your faith, I've talked to other callers on the show who they had to walk away from their faith, and that meant that there was now distance between them and their families. And then that can be, you know, it can feel like an actual severing from your family. I'm wondering wondering where you landed and if you're okay.
1: Yeah, I'm great. First of all, I'm doing great. Good. Uh, (laughs) But I do still have a relationship with my family, which is great. They are super kind. Um, It's definitely... Uh, I don't. I don't know how much people do know about Mormonism, but it is a huge portion of your existence. Uh, you're dedicating a lot of time and energy towards the church uh, to be a full, you know, member. Um, and for some people, that works really well. I'm not trying to take away from people's, you know, what helps them. But uh, I think because of that. When you're not part of that religion, your family does just, just there is just kind of a little bit of a separation. Uh fortunately I I I I know that people have it way worse. Like I still get to talk to my parents and I still love them very much and they love me very much, which is great. That's good. Um it's it's been interesting too, because even my partner, my in-laws are uh even more kind. Like we're we see them almost daily, just and they're wonderful people. So I and they are also practicing Mormons. And so like I'm not just, I really want to emphasize, I'm not trying to take away from anyone's experience. I, I think it helps a lot of people for sure. Um, and ever, a lot of people in my life are still Mormon. Uh, and I'm grateful to have some good ones that are very accepting of me in my life, for sure.
0: Never imagined that that would be coming down the pike when we were talking about <laughs> World War Z. I'm a complicated person. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that means a lot. But you know what else I like too? I'm thinking, because I'm like zombie movies, in my mind, those are not complicated movies. It's like there's the dead people, and they try to chase the living people and eat the brains and turn them into more dead people. And then you come out, tell me all these things about zombie movies that you've really hard about, thought really hard about, and then you layer it on top of your life experience as an outsider who can view it differently and see the idea of people who, you know, create hysteria around looming threats and communities of people. And then I sit here and go, ah, maybe zombie movies are a lot more – maybe they got more layers to them than I ever imagined. Hell oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> you use, by, you, by you sharing your background, both religious and um, via your sexuality – you now, you've now convinced me that zombie movies have layers.
1: Bring them back, Edinburgh, Bring them back.
0: <laughs>
1: wow, uh, it's it's funny. The first like movie. So like, in, it, while I was at BYU, I produced like you know, I directed like my own little zombie movies. And the first thing I did was, I, I think at the time it didn't connect with me that it was about my sexuality because I was very much still closeted and very much trying to avoid. I guess, the conversation with myself uh, about my sexuality. Uh, But it was about just these two people that were separated by kind of a rift with zombies below them, and they couldn't get to each other. And I think later that was like a huge metaphor for how I couldn't connect with... I had tried to date a lot of girls, you know, and I just wasn't ever connecting. Uh, And that was like a huge rift inside. I I think that was part of it, like... In, the, in a hindsight reflection, I think that was a big part
0: of it. Wow. So zombies can really represent just any way in which um, current day cultures well has been poisoned, so to speak, huh? Absolutely. Like Romero nailed it with communism and you might be able to make the, music, make the movie about, about societal division, keeping people apart. And it sounds like other people have with the romantic comedies and, and the BBC show of...
1: I think so. I think there's, a, it's just such a wide. Damn. I mean, you talk about superhero movies nowadays, and there's like a pretty wide genre. You have everything from, yeah. you know, a Taika Waititi superhero movie uh-huh. to, you know, Black Panther. And hey, hey, they're if you incredible. Want to talk about superhero characters. movies,
0: that's where I can really shine.
1: <laughs> we can talk about anything you want. That's great. Talk about anything you want. You're the caller. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah. Now, Mar- listen. Marvel movies have become a genre unto themselves. Like you're saying, I'm starting to get nervous that we're pushing it past a tipping point where people are. Gonna- it's going to be impossible to care about this much Marvel content, and it breaks my heart because I grew up when that. I grew up obsessed with those characters when that company was going bankrupt, and now it would be sad if they went away. But also, kudos to them because they did a hell of a job for a very long time.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's kind of how I felt as like people drifted out of loving. There was a huge renaissance of zombie movies. Yeah, one you know, right? zombie land was coming out and more yeah, bodies Sh- in those types of movies. Shaun of the
0: Dead. How do you feel about Shaun, Shaun of the, the Dead?
1: Dead? It's a great. It's uh, incredible. Even Wonderful if you hated that, you're movie. not saying
0: that in front of a UK crowd. You don't talk <laughs> shit about Shaun of the Dead around these never, parts.
1: Never talk about Sean Penn without uh, a lovely, <laughs> glowing review. Uh, no, I, I thought it was great. I love I love Shaun of
0: the Dead. Yeah, uh,
1: but now nowadays it's kind of the same thing where everyone just kind of got sick of the genre.
0: Yeah, it's and Walking Dead, and them. World War Z, and all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It needs a break. It needs a breather, and then it needs to come back as a human story with a new take, directed by you, my ex Mormon oh. friend. Wow, that is very kind of you. That's what I think. That's what I. I think. hope so. One day. So did you grow up in uh, Utah? I did. Went to BYU. Do you still live in Utah? I don't want to – we can edit it out later if you want to follow up and tell us it's too much, but do you still live in Utah? I do. That's okay. Yeah, I still live here. I don't know that – being that I am someone who – I feel like it's hard to catch momentum in the entertainment industry as a New Yorker because so much of it is Los Angeles-focused. I feel like it's Los Angeles, um, New York, to a degree Chicago – those are the huge cities where you can kind of launch an entertainment career. Los Angeles probably has the most opportunity. You don't hear so much out of Utah. If you really want to go for it, have you have you thought about the idea that you might need to leave?
1: I have a lot, <laughs> um, and it's hard again because of those familial ties. Because I don't want to like completely separate myself from sure. my family. Sure. Um, so that's been kind of hard. Uh, it is interesting, though, because Utah does have, like, I have a big circle of friends of, like, writers and filmmakers who do a lot of stuff uh, here. Like, I worked, I even worked a little bit on, like, Hereditary, and *Midsummer* had a Utah unit that I worked a little bit on. So, like, there's, like, interesting things that come through here, for sure.
0: Uh-huh. But funny. it definitely is not as, like, prominent. Yeah, it's not as easy. It's not impossible, but it's not as easy. Yeah. There aren't as many there aren't as many uh pathways set up. What do you think? Yeah. And, and and I'm I'm only asking this as someone who's very excited to talk to you and to hear again, you d- did not see it. When the first half hour was like, Okay, I guess we'll just talk about zombies in my head, I'm like, that's pretty good. And then for you to add all these personal layers, I go, Oh, this is why I love doing this show. And so now I'm also sitting here really rooting hard for you as an individual who has lived a lot and dealt a lot and had to think a hard about your own humanity and to think about how you want to present humanity in your storytelling. There's a part of me right away that's just, I don't know anything about you. And look, the scripts for this anthology, they might be garbage, but I got a feeling they're not. I got a feeling you wrote a fucking anthology that people would flip out for. What do you Thanks, think? Thanks, man. You're also coming up on thirty. Yeah. You're living in Utah. You're working a job that's tangentially associated with what you want to do, but not quite there, and you're and you're very honest about that. So yeah. I'm sure you think a lot about it. What would you say the odds are that these stories you've written that you want to bring out into the world, the ones that are sitting in your guts, what do you think the odds are genuinely that you make them someday? And I'm not trying to depress you with that question. I'm trying to get an honest sense of it. Because you're saying you got friends who are writers and filmmakers. There's people making it happen. What do you think the chances are that you actually get it done? Oof. Um, I don't know. I think,
1: for, again, I, just, I feel like zombie movies in particular are so out of fashion now. Um, That's when it's time to strike.
0: Yeah right. <laughs> See, I sit there. I go, they're out of fashion now, and that means it's an open playing field where it's a known box office money maker. That they let it, <laughs> they let it jump the shark, right? They they beat that dead horse until people didn't want it anymore. Now it's been a few years, and you got the new take on it. That's my angle. Maybe I'm just being too positive there.
1: No, I wish I was that positive. Uh, I don't know. I I personally don't fully see it happening there's other stuff that i'm written that i've written that i i think could be a thing uh, that i'd love to get out there but zombie movies in particular i don't don't know let me ask you this
0: because that question that answer is very fascinating to me if it's not me i asked you what are the odds that you're going to make it and your answer was effectively zombie movies are out of fashion now right (laughs) Yeah. That's not really an answer to the question. It's an answer about what everybody else is thinking. But you're somebody who spent a large portion of your life having to hide from, not even hide who you are, hide from who you are. You said there were stretches where you were figuring it out. right? And these, so you've already had to do that. You've already had to worry about other people. Other people, zombie movies are out of fashion. That doesn't really ask. So how much of it not getting made, like if you really wanted to sink some time and money and effort into it, how much of it is not going to happen because you're worried about things like that, those external factors that it, they're out of fashion? Would anybody actually want to see it?
1: Well, I didn't want a
0: personal attack. Uh,
1: I I think you're right. I think I definitely, there's a couple, I think if I really put energy into it, I think you're right.
0: Because, well, no, I'm not trying to attack you, but I'm getting excited. <laughs> like I'm starting to bounce in my chair a little bit because it's the exact type of thing, like my favorite thing. My favorite thing, and this is not something I always talk about, but like my favorite thing about my career is that I've been able like I when I when I used to be really heavy into the improv scene, my favorite aspect was not performing, it was teaching, seeing other people coming up. And when I had my TV show by the end, I've always told people, once we got to cable and it became my job, cuz that was a very unlikely thing. I don't know how long you followed me, but I had a show was on public access TV, which is Dog shit in most people's eyes in the States. <laughs> you know that, being in the state it would take too long to explain here. I'm sure you guys have your version of it, your knowledge of it in the crowd. Yeah. But then I went and made it happen, and then it brought its own difficulties with it and its own stresses, but I still got to keep hiring young writers and seeing. So I always get excited when I hear about you know somebody who's got a voice and an angle on something. That's the thing that gets me most excited. So I'm sitting here and just saying, I'm not trying to attack you. I'm just saying it would be a shame if I didn't call you out on it a little bit, of You know, when I effectively ask you, do you think you could get it done? And the answer is, Zombie movies are out of fashion. There's a part of me as an artist who has mentored younger artists along the way to turn around and go, It's not what I asked you, and I don't give a shit if it's in fashion or not. There's so many things that go out of fashion, and when people bring those things back, they are hailed as geniuses for doing so. And it sounds to me like you got some shit to get off your chest, and you're going to get it off your chest in a way that's not heavy-handed and not forcing it down our throats. You're going to get it off our chest in a way where it's a fucking dope-ass zombie movie where if people think about it a little bit harder you know it sounds like a movie you can show up buy some popcorn scream at the screen get scared and then if you think about it it'll also say hey let's take it easy on fucking outsiders that's a movie that I want to see so I'm not attacking you but I do just want to say you're, an- you're giving an answer to a question I didn't ask what's out of fashion I've never cared about that you got some shit to say and I hope you go and say it someday thanks Chris I appreciate that I thought you were going to be blown away by that <laughs> Well,
1: uh, while you were saying that, I actually just produced it. So, <laughs> well, Based I didn't expect
0: thing. a personal attack either, but I guess <laughs> you and me just like to cut each other off at the knees when things get too real, huh?
1: No, that was. I do really appreciate that. I I think every, every creative needs a kick in the pants for
0: sure. And, here's the other yeah. thing: zombie movies are out of fashion now. Maybe, but it takes a long time to make a movie, especially out of Utah, right? And it's true. It's just going to take longer. You're going to have to raise more money. You're going to have to find people who want to do it. You're going to have to find friends who know how to do stuff technically that are going to do you favors. You're going to have to figure out makeup and effects because it's a zombie movie. So this is going to be – if you start today and it actually gets finished, which movies often don't, it will take years. So who knows? Maybe by the time you're done making it, the world is going, you know what I'm in the mood for? Let superheroes bring back zombies. Maybe you start making it today and it lands right in the slot. Because that, you know what? Hearing you say this sort of more self-defeatist thing of like, well, zombie movies are out of fashion now. You know what's going to fucking kill you even more is if in five years they're back in fashion and you go, I didn't lay the track to be a part of this zombie renaissance. That's very true. Again, I would. So how much
1: money do you want to put in? (sighs) (laughs) You're like me. No, that's... I, I have... It's. The, the bad thing about a creative brain that's also a producer is you know how much things come
0: <laughs> Yeah, <lost. laughs> that's true. But, uh, you are a producer, so you understand the impossibility of it. But who would but I be? I, I wouldn't be right. me if I didn't sit here and try to get you riled up. And it's also very funny how every time I do, you kind of do the equivalent of a verbal pat on a dog's head. I'm just like, that's a very nice <laughs> thought, Chris. Thank you so much for that.
1: No, I I I think... The biggest problem with any creative that I think we tell ourselves over and over again and never actually do anything about is that, like, it's about the doing, right? Yeah. It's it's like that first step. uh, And or even after that, I have the first step. I literally have, like, scripts sitting in my inbox. Yeah. But it's about running with it, I think. And we tell ourselves that over and over again, but it's... It's such a daunting i don't know if it's the world like beating us down over and over again that it feels so daunting, but it's
0: just well it's that it's like a combination of like realism like things don't go well and things don't get made um you know d- does that mean you don't try sometimes I guess, but with this one i don't know if you want to call a show and talk for thirty five minutes about how much you love zombies and take us through the history of the zombie genre and all the things we have to see i don't know if you don't you, I don't know if you don't try on this one. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm rambling a little bit. I don't know. There's also a part of me that feels like I've wasted so much time in my career. You, you, spend, you spend all this energy thinking of the reasons why it's not possible, and you go, oh, if I had just put that energy towards doing it instead of dwelling on the reasons it's not possible, because no movie is possible, right? Theoretically, no one should ever make a movie then, right? Right? Like Kevin Smith sold his comic books and went and made Clerks. Is it a perfect film? No. Do I love it with my whole heart as a Jersey guy? <laughs> Absolutely. But there's not a more perfect example of like, we can spend all the time we want thinking of the reasons it's impossible, but some people do it. So what did they do? Because it's possible, right? Yeah,
1: I I think it's it is like that combination of that passion. And then you just have to like, literally have, I I don't know if it's the faith or like the drive or some, I don't know what that X factor is. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe that the X factor is the thing that's like, yeah. That actually makes it happen.
0: Yeah. Now you say you're a producer and that gives you knowledge of like, I know how expensive things are. (laughs) When you look at your anthology, you look at those eight scripts do you actually look down and go, okay, I know how producers break it down and I have a rough ballpark of how much this would realistically cost if I wanted to do it right. Like do you have a number in your head of how much money you need?
1: Um for we actually did a Kickstarter for like the first ser- the first episode in the anthology and it was around 10 grand, which in I understand uh to be clear that that's not like a ton of money. Yeah. But uh I think as you know, someone who's not wealthy. <laughs> of course, how the Kickstarter going? Like Did you get it? No. Did you? Uh, it close? died pretty quick. Uh, I think we got of the ten grand. I think we maybe got two or three, and then it
0: fell off. Can I tell you something? And I've never done this for anybody. We can get you 10 grand. I don't have 10 grand to give you, but I can help. You're asking me how much I got? I have a three year old son, is what I got. I can't give you 10 grand for your zombie movie. But if you'd start that Kickstarter again someday, because that's brutal to start it and have it not go well, that's a kick in the ass. That's a deflating, momentum killing, confidence crushing kick in the ass. But if you decide you want to get back on the horse again and go for it, there's 100,000 people that listen to this show. If I can get 10% of them to give you a dollar, you got your 10 grand. And I'll do that. And I don't even know you. And it, maybe this movie's going to be a piece of shit. Who knows? <laughs> but it still has a right to exist, to have a feeling just based on who you are in your story. So think on it and let me know. Jesus. All right.
1: <laughs> that is an, like... I don't I'm you've made me speechless. I called you and I can't even I don't know what to say. Listen,
0: if there's one thing I'm good at, it's figuring out how to crowdfund queer zombie narratives.
1: <laughs> Put that on your resume. Or
0: zombie I don't even know. I haven't read it. At the very least, zombie narratives with queer undertones. Is that fair to say? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely some gay in there. I was put on earth to help facilitate the cause of gay zombies. Let's make it happen. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) To get an ex-Mormon to say Jesus twice, I feel like I've done good. (laughs) Oh, man. What do you guys think? We're out of time. You guys want to see this anthology someday? Scotland wants to see it. I think our listeners do, too. Our time is up. Caller, thank you so much for calling. That was a great chat, and I did not anticipate where it was going to go. Have a great night, everybody. I have to thank the caller for calling, opening my eyes about zombies and what what they might represent. It was a cool call. Thanks for calling. Thank you to everybody out there in Scotland who helped make this show happen. Thank you to Andrew, who was in the booth. Thank you to Andrea, who's back in Jersey helping facilitate. Thank you to Anita Flores for producing the show. Thank you to Jared O'Connell for engineering the show. Thank you to Michelle Shag for our theme music. And hey, if you want to know more about me, go to chrisgeth.com. A lot of info there, including ticket links to my live shows and wherever you're listening. There's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow, something like that. When you hit that button, it helps the show so much, so please consider doing so. If you want merch, PodSwag.com. You want episodes ad-free, go to Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code STORIES. You'll get one month free Stitch Premium. You get our show without ads and so many other shows. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody.